Praise the Lord. Uh, well, uh, we come to the next message, a wonderful, wonderful message um, related to the prayer for the one new man. The prayer needed for the reality and practicality of the one new man. And Brother Mark just uh, reminded me that I believe last Lord's Day, uh, there was a lot of prophesying. This was the week you were in in morning revival. So then I, we are very much familiar with the, the outline. Um, at the beginning, um, maybe I'd like to share a few points. So I think the first point I would share is this, that nothing happens in God's economy without prayer. Amen. Nothing happens. Amen. Prayer, we may say, is the engine that drives God's economy. This is a principle in the universe that uh, in order for the heavens to carry out uh, what the heavens want to do, the earth has to agree with the heavens. And the earth has to respond to the heavens. So whatever is bound in heaven and loosed in heaven, must also be bound and loosed on the earth. Without the binding and loosing on the, in the, on the earth, by the church, by the saints, then the heavens have no way to advance. And I'm reminded also of Brother Lee's, I'm paraphrasing Brother Nee's quote, but often quoted, but whether we practice or, or not, why do we... Uh, work so much and pray so little when we know that much more is accomplished through our prayer than through our work. And I would say this, prayer is work. Prayer is the real work, right? We serve, we serve full time, we serve in the church, we do many things for the Lord, but uh, unless we pray, we could say we labor in vain. The workers labor in vain because the real work, <clears throat> excuse me, the real work is prayer. Uh, so if we want to see churches raised up, we first must pray. If we want to see people saved, We need to pray. We'll touch some of these things. I'm reminded of Acts 13, the church in Antioch, where there was a turn from the Jewish world to the Gentile world. And we can see from the uh, first few verses in Acts 13 and the footnotes that this turn was initiated, it says, by five faithful and seeking brothers. Actually, if you look at the makeup of the brothers there, we can see very, very clearly evidence or proof of the one new man. Those five brothers, none of them were actually brothers local to Antioch. They had all come from different places, from different racial backgrounds, from different social statuses. Here is a miniature of the one new man. And what were these five brothers doing? They were ministering, fasting, and ministering to the Lord. Anytime you see fasting, that implies prayer. Their prayer was a ministry to the Lord. They were praying back to the Father 
what was on the Father's heart. They were a many and a many. They were echoing uh, what already had been released in the heavens on the earth. And also through their prayer, they uh, gave the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak among them, identify two of them to be sent out into the work. And this was the beginning of the Lord's move in the Gentile world. So this is quite a pattern to us. Uh, Mark and I were fellowshipping yesterday about the Welch Revival, 1904 to 1905. And more than, I don't know how many people, but let's say at least 70,000 people were saved during that revival in 04 and 05. It says all the, um, the pubs, all the bars in Wales completely shut down. They had no, uh, no customers. But one of the things that was observed was that the ones that were saved, every single person that was saved was prayed for by name. So this even, we'll we'll touch this as well, the prayers of the twos and the threes, the vital group prayers. How can you pray for 70,000 people by name? Impossible. But if you are at the level of the twos and threes, the vital groups, the small groups, praying for certain ones by name, these ones get saved. So I know I'm kind of maybe we're, we're, we're all familiar with this, but I am always just impressed with this matter of prayer. Paul says in 2 Timothy uh, 2, 1 through 3, first of all, pray. Right? I'll read the verse. <clears throat> Second Timothy, uh, sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2, <clears throat> and verses 1 through 3. I exhort, therefore, first of all. First of all. Is that the first thing we do when we encounter a situation, when we have a need, when we're coming together to discuss the work, to make plans? What is the first thing? Is fellowship the first thing? Is organizing and arranging the first thing? Is talking the first thing? Well, our brother says here, I exhort therefore, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. And then uh, the end of uh, verse uh, 3 says, or verse 3 says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior God. We normally link that with the next verse, which says, who desires all men to be saved. But this also refers to the verse first, that first of all, prayers, petitions, intercessions be made on behalf of all men. And then it says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior God. And then we have the pattern of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Um, some of the verses related to uh, the Lord, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, Mark 1.35. And it says there, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still night, 
he went out and went away to a deserted place, and there he prayed. So, I'm always impressed with this verse because in John 6.57, the Lord says, As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father. So this is the testimony of the Son, who is God Himself, but as a man in the flesh on the earth in his incarnation, he says, I was sent by the Father, I feed on the Father, and I do the Father's will. Well, where, when, how did the Lord know what the Father wanted him to do, what the Father wanted him to speak? I believe we have a little window in Mark 1.35. Early in the morning, while it was still night, Jesus went out to a private place, and there he prayed. So again, if this is the pattern of the first God-man, if this is the pattern of our Savior, how much more should we follow closely in his footsteps? Then um, also... um, You know, in John chapter 6, after the feeding of the 5,000, and the crowds wanted to, uh, you know, crown him, make him a king, it says he withdrew. It says in 6.15, Then Jesus withdrew again to the mountain himself alone. Our brother says that the Lord did not remain in the, the glory of the miracle, but he withdrew himself back to have more fellowship with the Father. And then also, just at the beginning of the Lord's ministry, in Matthew chapter 4, after he is baptized, after the Father, uh, after the Spirit descends as a dove on him, as the voice of the Father from the heavens, this is my Son, the Beloved, with him I am well pleased. It says in verse 4.1, Then Jesus was led up into the wilderness uh, by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And in verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Again, the fasting implies prayer. So how did the Lord begin his earthly ministry? He did not, you know, I'm baptized, I'm anointed by the Spirit, I'm ready to go. That was not what he did. He, uh, even then, after he's anointed, he is identified as the Christ, the one commissioned by the Father. What is the first thing the Son as a man in the flesh did? He withdrew and prayed for 40 days at the beginning of his earthly ministry. So I'm just impressed, and I hope we all are impressed with this matter of prayer. Our brother Lee also points out, prayer is like breathing. It's like the oxygen in our Christian life. So we can go without food for a period of time, a considerable period of time. We can go without water, but for a considerable less amount of time. But surely the thing that we almost instantly cannot do without is air, oxygen. But prayer is the oxygen in the Christian life. How much do we need to be not only people, saints who pray, but as the pattern of the Lord, 
a man of prayer. So even in my own prayer, Lord, I don't want to be someone who prays. I want to be someone of prayer, a man, a person of prayer. That means that is our constitution. That is our habit. That is our disposition. That is our living. Just as much as Brother Mark was sharing yesterday about the Word. We want to be people, men of the Word. Not men who read the Word, but we're constituted with the Word. That is the way we live. We live out and work out the Word of God. Well, in the same principle, you could say the two wings of our plane that get us to our destination. The Word and prayer. Prayer and the Word. That's what will get us where we want to be. Amen. So, this, this, just this critical matter of prayer. And then prayer at so many levels in the Christian life. First and foremost and most important, our personal prayer. Even in Matthew 6, the Lord exhorts us, go into your private room and pray in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you will answer you will visit you how important our personal prayer is Uh, and i would say that's probably the area most of us struggle with our personal prayer it's easier easier still not easy to pray in twos and threes uh, at different levels, even the prayer meeting of the church. But it needs to have a base of personal prayer with the Lord. And then we should expect that the Lord would answer our prayers. So when we come to these messages, we realize, we, we know that this is God's desire. This is what God wants more than anything on the earth is the one new man. The one new man who is the bride, who is the the body, uh, who's coming forth, bringing forth, will change the age and bring the Lord back. But no way to arrive at this destination apart from prayer. So uh, maybe we could... Uh, go get into the outline uh, this time as the this session is until ten twenty, so we'll try again to leave some time at the end for overflow from the saints. Amen. Okay, so uh, let's look at Roman one together. The governing principle of our prayer should be that prayer brings us into God. Amen brings us into God. Amen. So how even just um, personally, the exercise. You know, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, we have the picture of the tabernacle. And it is at the incense altar that is in the holy place but functionally belongs to the Holy of Holies. This is where the high priest burned the incense that ascended to God. The golden incense altar signifies the praying Christ. So I think if we see the picture, it's very helpful. We need to realize that our goal in order to pray effective prayers, in order to have have Christ 
added to our prayers is that we need to be at the golden incense altar. So we need to make the journey from the outer court, you could say metaphorically of our body, past even the holy place of the soul to the holy of holies in our spirit. And there's, you know, we don't just, as you know, the high priest did not just walk into the, uh, the tabernacle, did not just walk into the Holy of Holies. There was a procedure. There was a process. And it began in the outer court with the uh, five main offerings, identifying ourselves with the burnt offering, the meal offering, the sin and trespass offering, and the, um, uh, the peace offering. And then the showbread table, where we feed on the Lord, we're, we're supplied. Of course, sorry, also the laver of the Word, the washing of the water in the Word. Then the, lay, uh, the showbread table, where we can feed on the bread, the, the face of God in the Word, where we're enlightened by the lampstand, so that we know how to pray, so that we're enlightened, we're fully clear about what to pray for at the incense altar. But ultimately, the prayer at the incense altar is not even our prayer. But ultimately, the prayer at the incense altar should be God's prayer. And we are one with Him to pray back to the throne the things that have come from the throne and the throne wants to accomplish. So we need to, this point point, uh, speaks to this, the governing principle of our prayer should be that prayer brings us into God. Just like the picture of the Holy of Holies, the deepest part of the tabernacle is where we want to go if we want to pray. We need to pray ourselves, or yes, work ourselves into God in order to pray. So how about we read A and B? The issue of proper prayer is that we find ourselves in God. The issue of proper prayer. So this is quite a high level, but it's so helpful to us to realize, Lord, I don't want to pray vain prayers. I don't want to pray empty prayers. How many times do we come with our own agenda to the Lord? But the real secret of prayer is to come to the Lord open to the Lord in the depths of our being, and then allow Him to put the prayers that He wants to pray into our heart. Brother Lee shares in the book Lessons on Prayer, and he gives an example of a brother who has a sick mother. And he said there are two ways that this person, this brother, can pray for his mother. The first way is that he comes to God and asks God, my mother is sick, please do something, heal her, uh, and much beseeching for the Lord. And then he said the second way is that we take this journey into the Holy of Holies, and then we are just before God. We don't come with an agenda. We don't come with a prayer list. We just come poor in spirit, pure in heart, and we open, and we wait. And then we allow the Lord to give us point after point, whatever is on the Lord's heart, even though we have a concern about something in our personal universe, 
we, we first give the Lord the preeminence. Lord, what do you need? What do you want? And then we pray those prayers. And then he says, at the end, then the Lord will say, okay, you've prayed for what's on my heart. Let's now pray together for what's on your heart. Let's pray for your mother. So the prayer to to heal the mother is accomplished. But there's two different ways. So surely we would choose the second way, the way that meets God's need first, knowing that He will faithfully take care of our need when he, we meet uh, His need. So the issue of proper prayer is that we find ourselves in God. Then one other quick point on this, then we'll go on, that I was just impressed reading recently. Brother Lee is talking about, in the book, Young People's Training, and he's talking about praying in our spirit. And he said, you can know that you are praying in your spirit when the Lord touches your conscience. Because the conscience is a part of our spirit. And so he gives this real example where he says, you may come to pray about some situation, some matter, some person. Oh Lord, save that person. But because you're in your spirit, God can touch your conscience and he may say to you, don't worry about your, that person. How about you? How about your situation? How about your condition? How are you right with me? So I was just so impressed with that. It isn't that the Lord does not want us to pray for others, but if we are genuinely in God, in our mingled spirit, very likely the first thing the Lord will touch is, Michael, this matter between you and me. This matter last night, you said something to your wife. Here you are this morning, but you still haven't rectified that situation. You still haven't apologized. You know, so the Lord is very, very fine. And we want to learn the lessons how to pray one with God in our mingled spirit. And in that situation, the Lord may say, we'll pray about that matter later. Let's take care of this matter first. Okay, two together. The experience. Hallelujah. The experience during times of genuine prayer, when we are in our mingled spirit, where the Lord can touch us about all kinds of things, including our attitude, our unforgiven offenses, so many things, our ordinances, our differences, our uh, estimations and judgments concerning the other saints, all the things that separate us and prevent us from being the one new man in reality. So genuine prayer enables us to touch the reality of the one new man. Okay, could we read A? During times of genuine prayer, we are in our spirit, and we are one spirit with the Lord. It is that these times that we live Christ. Amen. Okay, could we, could we uh, uh, read through the uh, subpoints? Maybe brothers one, sisters two, and alternating. Amen. Our daily living should be the same as our experience. 
Amen. 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 So we have so many layers and barriers between us and the Lord, who is the actual, the reality of the one new man. But four says, if we keep ourselves in a praying condition. And uh, it it says, uh, in one, our daily living should be the same as our experience in times of genuine prayer. So again, we shared this yesterday, but how critically important, how vitally necessary our time with the Lord in the morning is. This is where we root ourselves in God. This is where we Uh, enter into our mingled spirit. And then the secret is, is just to stay there, right? The problem is many times we have a wonderful time with the Lord in our spirit, in prayer in the morning. But as soon as we leave that time, we are out of our spirit. We're back in our mind, back in our feeling. We come down to breakfast perhaps, and our wife just says one thing, and right away, boom. There's a response. There's a reaction. Or there's a sense that you just took me out of my spirit. <laughs> and it's someone else's fault. That's right. Never my fault. Well, we need to practice. We need to learn to root our being in our... Uh, the word I use many times with, with, with the saints, anchor our being in our mingled spirit. So this is the term I kind of use. I talk to the young people about rooting is another word or anchoring. So we're anchored in our mingled spirit. And even when my experience certainly is many times, okay, during the day I drift my boat. Drift is Jesus in your boat. My boat drifts out of the holy of holies, out of the center. But if I have had a time in the morning and the anchor is put down, then it's so much easier for the Lord to go, you have drifted, come back. Come back to your mingled spirit. Come back to the center. Come back to the focus. And it's so much easier. But, you know, okay, the morning I have a rushed time with the Lord. I don't really pray myself into God. Not that adequate amount of time to be rooted, to be anchored then I drift almost immediately and there's no reference point. There's no, it's much harder for the Lord to touch me later in the day and say, you need to turn back. You need to come back. If you haven't been there, it's very hard to come back. So our daily living should be the same as our experience in times of genuine prayer. And an example I was thinking of is in Matthew chapter 11 with the Lord where he is rebuking the cities that did not receive him and his works of power, did not receive his gospel message. And so he is, he is decrying the cities, woe to you, 
Chorazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. He's rebuking these cities. And then um, he says, um, at that time, Jesus answered and said, uh, I extol you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to the infants. Amen. That's us. Yes, Father, for this has been well-pleasing in your sight. So here he is in the middle of his ministry. He's rebuking these cities. And then suddenly there's this turn, and it's even recorded, and Jesus answered. Who did he answer? Well, the Father and him are communing. You know, he is speaking the Father's words. The Father is rebuking those cities through the Son for not receiving the Son's message. And then the Son is, I extol you, Father. Then, yes, Father. You can see there's a conversation. There's this communication, vertical communication between the Father and the Son in the middle of the day, in the middle of His busy work day, carrying out God's economy, He is still fellowshipping. He is still one spirit with the Father. He is still in communion, in prayer with the, the Father. So how much? how about us? If we could enter into this reality, then every road trip, could be such a wonderful opportunity to pray. I personally, it's just my own personal, I, I don't like to listen to music, even hymns in the car, because I can use the time. I'm not saying we shouldn't listen to hymns in the car. I'm just saying using the time to pray. That's a little, well, it can be a little holy of holies, unless I'm driving. Uh, and my wife and I, we have this practice. Every time that we drive, we spend some time to pray. So we're in the middle of our day. We're going here. We're going there. But use the time. Redeem the time. When the whole family's in the car, we always begin with some prayer together. As a family, we just pray. That's our, you know, it's a little song, a little prayer together. Uh, maybe the children won't continue. But the parents just pray. Spend time redeeming our time. So this should be our living. It shouldn't be, oh, yes, I had my time to pray in the morning, and tonight at the prayer meeting in the church, I will pray again. But between those two, may say, pillars, no prayer, no fellowship, no intercession. But again, this word at the beginning, first of all, pray, and becoming men of prayer. So we redeem our time, whether we use our, our residual time to read a few words in the, in, in, in the Bible, or pray-read. There you go. We can combine reading and prayer. Pray-reading the Word. We have five-minute break. Maybe we take five minutes, grab a cup of coffee, but maybe we sit at our desk for five minutes and just pray-read the Word of God and use that to intercede from the saints. So, again, I'm repeating uh, 2A1. Our daily living should be the same as our experience in times of genuine prayer. May we recover 
this practice. And then when we know, like a conference like this, we know God's great will. God wants, the Father wants, the one new man. Then so many opportunities during the day. Lord, what about the one new man? We saw this weekend. We saw it in the morning revival. Lord, where is the one new man on the earth? Then the Lord may shine on us and say, well, how about you in relation to the one new man? Do you take me as your person? Do you have the same love and care for all the saints? How do you evaluate the situation in the church? We just need to build up this atmosphere and practice of prayer. Okay, B, together. Whenever we experience... Amen. So we should be able to pray with anyone. Genuine prayer with any brother, any sister, any race, any background, any culture, any nationality, come together to pray for God's interest. One says the more genuine prayer we have, the more we will have the experience of being outside of our cultural opinion. Amen. Two. Can we read two? When we pray with others, Amen. And then it says under A, then we touch the reality of the one new man. How good it is to pray for uh, not our own needs but first and foremost to pray for God's need, and then even to pray for God's need beyond our immediate universe. Whether that's our small group, although that's very good as well. And our, we pray uh, for our small group. We pray for every person in that small group by name. We just mentioned earlier there, the 70,000 in Wales, they got saved because they were prayed for by name. Um, And, uh, you know, I have had some very wonderful experiences of uh, beginning a small group in a particular locality and being joined sovereignly, not my choice, but with someone not like me, not racially like me, not culturally like me, but that was the arrangement. This was the person the Lord arranged for me to pray with. And we began to pray. This brother called me and he said, could we uh, have morning revival while I'm driving to work? And I like my personal time in the morning, but this brother, he's driving to work. He wants to have morning revival on the phone as he's driving. Amen. Of course, I found out quite quickly what he meant was, I drive, you read. (laughs) Amen. Well, I'm going to, long story short, over time, so we began to do this, but we, I would read, but then at the end we would pray. And then he got this, I guess, you know, vision from the Lord and epiphany goes, could we do this on the way home as well, <laughs> on my commute back from work in heavy traffic? Amen. So we began to pray morning revival, evening revival over the phone. 
Brother, I assure you, very different from me. Then, again, a further revelation. That was Thursday morning. Can we do that Friday morning? And then eventually, Friday evening before our home meeting. So four times a week, he's in the Holy of Holies of his car, I'm on the phone. But I had the grace, I had the supply, and it was, I would say, I shouldn't even say miraculous, because I believe that our small group that was raised up was a direct product of those four times of prayer. So by the time we got to Friday evening, every single person in our small group had been prayed for by name, according to their situation, according to their need. And it was just a joy to receive people into our homes. And you're like, hi, brother, hi, sister, praise the Lord. But inwardly you're going, I prayed for you four times this week. So this is, again, outside of ourselves, outside of our culture, the prayer in the small group. Then another example I would just give is uh, related to um, praying for the Lord's move in another country. So there's a dear brother here who I, uh, we try to pray regularly, but at a certain point when we're in the same locality, uh, we began to pray for uh, another city in another country, for the Lord's move in that country. So I think it's, it's fine just to share. Uh, this is related to the Lord's move to Amsterdam. So in Amsterdam, in Holland, there are churches, but no lampstand in the major cities. So this brother from that country had the burden uh, and in fellowship. How should we pray? What should we pray for? And we're like, we should pray for the city of Amsterdam. And we should pray for the Lord to establish his testimony in that city. Well, today, we, this year, I am going to prophesy, I believe there will be the first Lord's table in Amsterdam. Amen. Um, I hope that's right, Willem, wherever you are. But I, I'm pretty confident it'll happen this year. But the point is, there was no gospel campaign. There was no announcement. There was no trumpeting. This is what we will do. This brother prayed with another brother every Friday morning for a number of hours for Amsterdam. He and I and our jogging together, running together, praying, Lord, your move in Amsterdam. And then over a period of time, saints began to move there. There was no Let's all move down. This family moves from Malaysia. This family moves from uh, the UK. Another family moves. The saints just, the body just began to respond to the prayer. Again, amazing. I'm not saying we should not identify certain cities and then we can pray as the body for those cities. Um, But we need to pray more than anything more than announce, more than arrange, more than discuss. We need to pray. First of all, pray. I guess my, also my point here is praying for not your country. Praying not for your interest. I don't anticipate ever moving to Amsterdam, although the Lord can do whatever He likes. But I'm more than happy to pray for that city. 
There will be the Lord's move, a further advance and development of the Lord's move in South Africa. I can assure you, I will be praying as I do pray for South Africa because we are just one new man. You know, a number of years ago, the Lord's move in Germany. And it was marvelous and encouraging to see saints all over the earth praying for the Lord's move in Germany. Surely that was a step toward the reality of the one new man. No one was saying, what has Germany got to do with me? What has Amsterdam and Holland got to do with me? We are praying for the Lord's move and the bringing forth of the one new man. Amen. Okay. So when we pray, we touch the reality of the one new man. Okay. Um, Then B says, then we realize that the new man is constituted with Christ alone and in that in this realm, there are no differences of culture. Okay, three. Could we read together? <clears throat> well, this is an absolute... I think we know this, but we have to realize just how much Satan opposes our prayer. So we need to persevere in prayer. Prayer is a battle, a warfare. And even in the the present context of where we are in the Lord's recovery, uh, in the the feasts, or specifically the semi-annual trainings, we have been journeying with the Lord, with the recovery, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So, in terms of the recovery, we are on the edge of the good land. Another line of prayer that has been quite prevailing is this matter of raising up an army to fight for God's interest on the earth. So here is the children of Israel as an army, metaphorically or symbolically, on the edge of the good land, typifying Christ. The next step is to enter into this land in reality, to possess the land, to possess the strongholds, to labor in the land, to produce the riches of the land, to build up the city and the temple. But there are tribes, there are forces resisting the children of Israel's entrance and possession of, into and possession of the good land. So they have to fight. Well, have you considered, have you asked yourself, Lord, how are we going to take this land? And how do we fight? Well, our weapons are our prayer. The weapons of our warfare are not, you know, fleshly, but are powerful to the tearing down of strongholds. By what means? By our fighting prayer. So I would just say in my experience, and this is probably the experience of many people in this room, I believe the Lord is allowing many situations to arise in our personal lives, in our family lives, in our church lives, even in our national lives, things that there's nothing you can do about except pray. There is no remedy. There is no solution. There is no answer. There is no way that you can affect the situation apart from praying. But I believe that this is part of the Lord's strategy to train us how to pray. This person needs salvation. 
And we have to pray desperately, and we have to pray with insight and with knowledge. So we have to spend time, Lord, how do we pray for this particular person in their particular situation? So the Lord is allowing situations to train us how to pray, to persevere in prayer until the Lord is able to move, until the enemy is bound and the uh, strong man is bound and his house is plundered. So we need to be ones to persevere in prayer uh, for so many needs, but persevering in prayer for the one new man. Okay, A, together. In order to fight on God's side against Satan, we need to persevere in prayer. As those who take sides with God, we find that the whole universe is against us, and in particular, against our prayer. Amen. Colossians 2, 1-3, where Paul says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea, even all who have not seen my face. How great a struggle. And then those other verses that we looked at yesterday, um, Paul's prayer in Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always concerning you. How about us? Praying always concerning a certain matter or a certain situation. Then verse 9 in Colossians 1, Therefore we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease praying and asking on your behalf. And then Colossians uh, 4.12, with uh, again, Apophis, He greets you always struggling on your behalf in in His prayers. So, We have to fight to pray, and the enemy will do anything and everything to frustrate our prayer. So again, another important lesson of prayer is learning to pray ourselves into our mingled spirit. Because the enemy will send all kinds of thoughts into our mind all kinds of feelings into our emotions, all kinds of distractions in our environment. Is it always, this is my experience again and again. I can be with the brothers, we can be fellowshipping, we can be discussing this and that. But as soon as we begin to pray, someone's phone goes off. Someone has to take a call. Someone has to answer a text. Or your own experience. You're at home. You're preparing. Okay, I'm going to get to this point where I'm going to pray. There's no disturbances. But as soon as you sit down to pray, the doorbell rings. The phone goes off. Something comes in to distract you. So learning, learning to pray ourselves into our spirit and pray from here, not allowing the distracting thoughts to come in or the feelings or the outward situations. The whole world is against our prayer. One, let's read it together. Almost everything in our environment is contrary to prayer. Two says resistance to prayer lies not only outside of us, 
but even within us. Amen. Then three says, to pray is to go against the current, the trend in the fallen universe. So could we read, uh, brothers A, sisters B, all the sisters on C. Amen. Only prayer can enable us to go against the current. Therefore, we need to persevere in prayer to pray persistently. So beside our personal prayer, you can see the wisdom also of having a prayer companion or vital group prayer, the prayers of the twos and threes. Uh, How poor the church would be if the only prayer time that the church has is the prayer meeting of the church for one hour a week. The Lord needs all kinds of prayer, all levels of prayer, personal prayer, companion prayer, prayers in twos and threes at all kinds of times of the day, the afternoon, the evening, on different days. May we not be so restricted and so limited to only pray in the prayer meeting of the church. But we could pray for so many things in the twos and the threes. Amen. And that only this kind of prayer can enable us to go against the current of the age. So we need to persevere in prayer and pray consistently. Okay, four together because of time. Persevering in prayer for the one new man is related to the peace of Christ, to the word of Christ. Amen. So this is a very practical point. Uh, This is Colossians 3. 15 through 17, um, which says, And let the peace of Christ arbitrate in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Then you have let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, admonishing uh, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to God. And then 17, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do all things in the name. Do all things in the person, one spirit with the Lord, taking Christ as our person, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what we'll read very quickly now in this section is, in order to pray effectively, we must have peace. Let the peace of Christ arbitrate. May, let the peace of Christ rule. Let the peace of Christ be the decider of every situation and every matter. It's, imp- it's very hard to pray if we don't have peace. And it's even harder to pray when we don't have peace with another person. We are praying for the one new man, yet I have an issue with you and you have an issue with me. How can the Lord honor and answer that prayer? Even the enemy could just mock, here's this person praying for the one new man, but they're not one with anybody. Or they're not one with this particular person. So we need to settle any... uh, 
problems we have either with the Lord or with one another, allowing the peace of Christ to arbitrate in our, in our hearts. Then we have the Word of God, which informs our prayer and even gives us the utterance and the supply to pray the prayers of the one new man. If we didn't have the Word, we would not even know about the one new man. So how wonderful we can know from the Word and from Colossians what is God's great will. God's great will is the one new man, so we pray with the Word And then, again, praying ourselves into our mingled spirit, praying ourselves into oneness with the Lord so that He is the initiator of the prayer. We are not the initiator. He is the source of the prayer. We are not the source. We do all things in Christ Jesus. Amen. So let's read the points. Romans 4, persevering in prayer. We've mentioned that. Uh, okay, could we read A together? Amen. Amen. Again, if we are praying in the Holy of Holies in our spirit, the Lord can touch us. Before you pray for this matter, you need to settle this other matter first. And then you have peace. Then you have the power to pray. Okay, B. The way for Christ to escape his headship and to minister his riches to us is through his word. Amen. So one says we should not be closed, but should open our being to the Lord and to his word and be willing to be filled with the Word of Christ. We need to allow the Word of Christ to move, act, and have its being within us. Isn't that a lovely phrase or utterance? We need to allow the Word of God, who is embodied in Christ, to move, act, and have its being within us. Letting, so allowing and letting our whole being be permeated and saturated With the word of Christ. So as we're praying many times, the Rima spirit speaks to us. A particular utterance, a particular burden, and we we just follow the Lord, we follow the spirit to pray back to the Lord what has been initiated by him through his word and through his rhema word. Three says, in order for the word of Christ to dwell in us richly for the one new man, we need to let the peace of Christ arbitrate in our hearts. Because again, the enemy is against. The Lord wants to speak something to us, but because we have something undealt with in our being, the enemy has ground to come in, to frustrate, to interrupt the flow. You, you're in the middle of prayer, and then this dark comes in. Oh yeah, but what about that? That person, or what she said to you. You're in the middle of prayer, but suddenly something comes in that frustrates the peace. So we take care of the peace in order that we can have the free way for the word and the prayer to flow out of us. Okay, let's read C. To live in union with Christ means that in our living, we are not apart from Christ. Rather, we are one with Him and do everything in His name by acting in the Spirit. And then D. We need to be ruled by the peace of 
Beautiful. And I would add just a little phrase to the end of that, for the one new man. We need to be ruled by the peace of Christ. That rules over us, that guards our heart and our mind, inhabited by the Word of God to have the praying strength and the praying utterance, and to live in union with the Lord, with Christ. So He is the source of all of our prayer. Okay, then five. In His heavenly ministry, Christ is interceding, ministering, and executing God's administration, and we need to be those... So what is the Lord doing right now? The Lord is praying. The Lord is interceding for His recovery, for His move on the earth. He is praying for the bringing forth of the one new man. So again, how important it is for us to know the great will of God and pray accordingly. That does not mean we do not pray for smaller matters, other matters, but the big prayers. Brother Nee says in the prayer ministry of the church, the church needs to learn to pray big prayers. So we're praying for our grandmother's knee but the Lord wants us to pray for the one new man. That's a bit of an extreme example. But, you know, sometimes we just get caught up. We get caught up with so many things. The world situation, the coronavirus, my goodness me. If there was not a, a perfect example of Satan's usurping the media to stir the entire world into a frenzy over a relatively mild virus. I'm not minimizing it, but, you know, a a fact, 300,000 to 500,000 people die every year from the seasonal flu. I think the death rate for coronavirus in the world is 3,000. I believe this is really something of the enemy just to stir people up. But look at the effect it has even on the churches, on the conferences, a major feast. Brother Mark was pointing out rightly, the first time we've had a major feast canceled since Brother Lee went to be with the Lord in 1997. That's never happened before. And we honor and respect the brother's decision. But a lot of it is informed by the media. And who controls the media? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Okay, I'm not into that at all. But again, I'm repeating, the mind behind the system. If, I mean, this Satan can just stir up the entire world over something as small as that. Then all our prayer, of course, we should pray about the, 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 the matter, But how important it is to allow the heavens to be the source of our prayer. Lord, you are interceding right now. We will maybe touch this verse, you know, in, in I think it's Colossians 3. Set your mind on the current world situation. Set your mind on all the matters related to the coronavirus. Set your mind on the things which are above, where Christ is. 
So in the prayer meetings of the church, in our small group prayer, in our personal prayer, what do we pray for? Well, we need to enter into the Holy of Holies of our spirit, contact the interceding Christ, and ask Him, Lord, what should we pray for? So, you know, then we have this, the, the, the kind of the, I don't know if I call it the constant debate, but the debate in the prayer meeting. Should there be a church prayer list? And maybe the answer is yes and no. Maybe we do need to have certain things. We trust that the prayer list that is presented to the church is something that some brothers have prayed over and considered and asked the Lord what should be on the list. But even then, we still should be open. Lord, what do you want us to pray for? So I kind of like the kind of marrying the two. You have a prayer list, but you come to the prayer meeting, you open to the Lord, you follow the Spirit, you pray whatever's on the Spirit's heart, and if you run out of things to pray, you still have a list that you can pray for. But it is amazing to me many times, you just open a number of the items in the prayer list, get prayed for any, anyway. But it's instead of looking at a list, we're looking to the heavens, setting our mind. So I'm not saying or prescribing this church, this is how you should have your prayer meeting to the church. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we need to practice contacting the Lord as a group of people. Lord, we are here for your interest. What do you want to pray for right now? And the Lord might say, I don't want you to pray for the coronavirus. I want you to pray for the one new man. Amen. Okay. So we need to correspond with Christ's heavenly ministry. Can we read A? As the high priest, he intercedes. As the heavenly minister, he ministers... He administers the government of God. So he is the man of prayer. He is the source of our prayer, and we need to learn to be one with him. Christ's ministry in the heavens requires our response. I wrote down in my margin, not our initiation. He requires us to respond. The heavens do rule. We may come with an agenda. We may come with a program. We may come, oh, we should pray for this, or we need to pray for this. Well, are we checking with our source? Are we communing with the Lord in the heavens? Lord, what are you interceding for right now? So it is really a very, very pleasant experience to pray with one or two other saints, and just come to pray. I meet, I, I meet. I have a prayer time once a week for an hour with two brothers, two brothers from two other different countries and two different other cities. We come together on a Wednesday evening and we just open to the Lord. And then we pray. Sometimes we pray for an immediate situation in this family or in this church. But many times we just come and we go, Lord, we are here so that you can have a way to pray through us. And we exercise again and again. We just present our bodies, Lord. We open to you. 
what would you have us pray for? So can you imagine, that's just two, three brothers just praying. This is not the prayer meeting. It's nothing official, but very organic. I would imagine the Lord will be back very, very soon if every person in this room picked up the habit of finding a prayer companion or prayer companions and then setting aside a certain amount of time per week just to faithfully come together and, Lord, here we are. We present ourselves. We have no agenda. We open to you. How would you like us to pray? That would be a tremendous recovery. If all the saints in all the churches on the earth prayed this way, the Lord would be back in no time. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so it requires our response. How about we alternate one, two, four brothers on one? We respond to Christ's heavenly ministry and reflect it, sisters. Amen. So just, just pointing out here these three directions... Uh, One with the Lord for his intercession for the churches. This is the prayer ministry of the church. He's interceding for the ministry of the heavenly life supply to the saints, whether that's through the conferences, through the uh, ministry material, or our personal ministry to people. Lord, I want to be a minister. Always having something fresh to give to uh, someone else. You know, know this... um, the verses that we read at the beginning, it says here um, in verse 6 of Luke 11, 1, Since a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Have you ever felt like that? Someone comes to you, and they need your help, they need your ministry, they need your portion, and you have nothing to set before them. Well, there is a remedy in verse 8. I say to you, even though he will not rise up and give him anything because he is his friend, surely because of his shameless persistence, he will rise up and give him what he needs. I have nothing to set before him, but if you pray, the Father will give you what you need to minister to others. And then that third point praying for the elders, the brothers, praying for God's administration. Okay, I'll have to finish by reading C, D, and E. Okay, C. Through our prayer, Christ the head is given a way to carry out His administration through His body. D. If we seek the things which are above and have one life and one living with Christ, we will be wholly occupied with the enterprise of the Master. Set your mind not on BBC or, you know, South African news, things that are above, and then be one with the Lord to be occupied with uh, His enterprise. And then finally, eat together, sorry because of the time, in order for the recovery to be the Lord's recovery, it must be under His direction. 
Final point. It's the Lord's recovery. So dear brothers, dear sisters, dear saints, how can we do anything? How can we initiate anything? Unless we come to the Master. We come to the Head. I will build my church. And it is the Lord's recovery. That is not a label. That is not a name. We are not the Lord's recovery. We are in the Lord's recovery. So in order to cooperate with Him, we must seek His counsel, seek Him in prayer, and then pray in response to what He is praying. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm sorry I went long. But again, as Brother Mark said, you please would complete the message. Amen. Praise the Lord.